Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Talk Dental To Me podcast, a place where we as a collective can learn from each other, other healthcare professionals, and learn about new oral care innovations. I'm Emma Cubis, your host, and before we get started, I just want to say I'm having so much fun on this new journey of having a podcast. I honestly think it's one of the best things that has come out of having Emma Talks Teeth, and it's because I've been able to connect with so many incredible people in our community. And just a little spoiler, also connecting with companies who are introducing incredible new products into the oral care landscape. I'm so happy to introduce my next guest to you guys because she's the first Australian guest on my podcast and one of the very few dental hygienists in Australia that has her own independent dental hygiene studio. Amy's dental studio is called Say Our Dental Studios, which is located close to the city of Adelaide in South Australia. She's had Sayar for over a year and a half now, and I'm just really excited for you all to listen to her journey and for her to share it with you all, because if you've wondered how to start, how you go from nothing, and by nothing, I mean turning a shop front into a fully operational dental clinic, you're going to find out. And if you've ever wondered how to get a bank on board for a huge loan with risk, you're going to find out. If you're wondering how many insurances you'll need if you want to open your own dental clinic, you're going to get those answers. And if you've ever wondered, hey, what type of contractors will I need to make this idea a reality? You're going to find that out too. And like I've said before, I really try to make an effort to curate who I invite onto my podcast because I want you guys to learn about all the things that you really want to know about or topics that aren't really spoken about and Amy was so open and generous with her insights so when you love it because I know you will don't forget to tag at Emma Talks Teeth and at Talk Dental to Me Podcast with your favorite takeaways. Okay guys let's dive right in. Hi Amy. Hey Emma. How are you? How are you? Good. I'm really well. Good. Thank you so much for coming on the Talk Dental to Me podcast today. I'm really, really excited for everyone to hear your story and talk about how you got to where you are today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on here and talking with you. Um, and I really think it's great that we're able to you know, have these discussions on an open platform like that. So well done. So my name's Amy. I am a dental hygienist uh, in Adelaide, South Australia. And I'm just really excited to share with you all what I'm doing in the dental industry. Awesome. And when did you open up your independent dental hygiene studio? So I opened in uh, 2020 in October. It was a it was a very hard time, I guess the start of the pandemic in like 2019 and 2020. So it's definitely what some people would consider a terrible time to start a startup business. Mm -hmm. Just as, you know, dental practices were shutting down because of the pandemic, I was starting up. But I think that, you know, I definitely made that an advantage point and I was really able to work with that. And I'm really grateful that I opened up during that time because it, it did give me, you know, a lot of um, a lot of breathing room and space, and it just it was just a nice ease into owning owning my own business. So I've been open for about a year and a half. Great, yeah, a year and a half now. It's been That's wonderful. fantastic. And so, just want just for our audience, I just want to preface quickly for those of you who may be listening overseas or not entirely sure what our situation is in Australia at the moment. So, oral health therapists and dental hygienists 
in Australia, we're now recognised as independent practitioners as of July 2020. And as of July 2022, so this July, we can apply for provider numbers and provide treatment under the Child Dental Benefits Scheme or the CDBS, which is a Medicare scheme. So it's quite similar to Medicaid in the US. So there are, it's a massive stepping stone for us as clinicians. It's a fantastic way to you know, broaden our scope of practice and increase uh, dental treatment for rural remote communities, people who want to source out other options other than seeing a conventional dentist. So it's opened up a lot of pathways for us. And as a result, a lot of these recent changes, we've seen quite a lot of oral health therapists and dental hygienists go out on their own. Some have started with teeth whitening. I've definitely seen a lot of mobile teeth whitening studios pop up. I, I for one, started one back in 2020, but I found it quite difficult to really gain traction because we spent a lot of time in lockdown here in Melbourne. So it never really took off. And I started my Emma Talks Teeth page and that sort of grew just much more than I thought so I still do teeth whitening but it's just more of a oh hey my friend's getting married can she see you I don't really openly advocate it anymore because it's a lot of work (laughs) so props to you Amy I think it's (laughs) incredible and you're one of the pioneers right now that in itself is amazing because a lot of people listening overseas could not even fathom the thought of doing this like I, I speak to hygienists in America and a lot of them can't even diagnose periodontal disease so the fact that you are here and have your own practice it's amazing so is there any is there anything specific that prompted the decision to start your own clinic or is it something that you've Uh, always wanted to do or has there been a light bulb moment at some point in your career like what was it yeah look I've always wanted to own my own clinic about 15 years ago it was something that I talked to the dentist about that I worked for um, and he would talk to me like let me know different pathways on on what to do and in owning a business Um, and it really sort of sparked my um, curiosity with that and so I was a a dental assistant for quite a while and then I became a dental hygienist and it was only really when I was working in an environment as a hygienist that was incredibly stressful um, and just a really unhappy environment I just felt like there's definitely more to this and Mm -hmm. more that I can give patients and I just thought you know I'm just gonna buy the bullet and do this you know 2020 July 2020 when that legislative um, wording changed to allow dental hygienists neural health therapists to practice independently away from a dentist so not under the same roof and removes that structured professional relationship. I just thought, you know, let's just do it. Let's just jump in and do it. And honestly, Emma, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Not, a <laughs> Not a clue. Not a clue. It was, um, it was a, a hard time, but mm. looking back on it now, it, I just, I'm so, so grateful for all the help and all the support that I've had. All the friends um, and mentors that have helped me through this and given me advice, it's just completely invaluable. And I'm so, so proud of everyone for also getting behind this this business as well. So I feel like, you know, I know there's a lot of hygienists out there that are working independently and we're all 
we're all working for the greater good we're trying to change you know something that is missing within the within the dental industry and essentially provide care for people that are missing out on it so we're really mm-hmm. trying to target that you know that market of people that don't want to go to the dentist or mm-hmm. um you know for whatever reason they have anxieties and and whatnot or maybe it's the like access of being in the a rural environment yeah that's fantastic and i think a lot of people are probably wondering like can you share the process of starting your own clinic all the nitty-gritty stuff like how did you decide on what space to occupy and and the fit out do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking of going down that track yeah absolutely absolutely um so it was a huge process i really just started with a business plan and it probably took me like two two and a half months of writing this business plan i was up to midnight pretty much every night of the week mm. um doing it after work trying to get you know get it all perfect um and then once once i had that business plan sorted i thought you know let's let's look at possible locations for where the where the clinic would be um and the first the first idea that we entertained was actually uh like a space outside like within a, a hairdressing salon mm-hmm. and did the plans up for that um we got some paperwork ready for that and uh, and then we realized that we were just jumping into something that we didn't really have any idea of um, and we didn't explore any other options so once I realized you know what the salon was asking for their rent and all the modifications that I needed to do within the premises Mm -hmm. um, I looked at other premises that I could lease and that's when I stumbled across the place that I'm in now Mm -hmm. which um, whether it was luck or you know preparation for the luck to come along but it Mm -hmm. all just fell in place and meant to be um, yeah just meant to be and so essentially like I had to change the use of the premises first um, medical and consulting Mm. because in Australia uh, a commercial rental space is like a yeah a retail space or you know a food space or a medical space yeah so within council I had to get that changed over first before I knew that it was even an option to go down this route Mm. but once that was approved it was straight on to it get on to architects interior designers cabinet makers and do some plans up to go uh, send into the council for development and so essentially I couldn't I mean I didn't sign the lease until I got those planning approved Mm. by the council so I really was able to protect myself and limit or reduce the risk in that I wasn't diving into a lease uh, and then, you know, finding out that the plans weren't approved and then I'd be stuck with a lease and unable to use the space. So, yeah, I was really lucky that it all just fell into place. And how long did that whole and process take? So applying to council and to getting your lease, how long did that take? Yeah. It was probably a good two and a half, three months mm. from planning with the architects and all the tradesmen um, and all the uh, equipment installers to putting it into councils and going back and changing plans and um, waiting for approval. That was the hardest nail-biting time, just sitting there waiting and waiting, knowing that I've got the real estate agent on my back about trying to get into this lease. Just hurry up, everyone. Um, <laughs> exactly exactly but I guess you know at the same time it was during COVID so people went went taking up new new leasing spaces 
Um, so there was that time leeway for me as well, which I'm really grateful for. Fantastic. And yeah, did you but, also um, have to get in contact with any organisations or your indemnity insurance? Did you have to, or did you get some advice from anyone in those organisations? Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh, I got advice from anyone and everyone mm-hmm. that you could possibly <laughs> think of. Lawyers, conveyances. Mm-hmm. I called so many insurance companies so um, the, our private indemnity, insu- sorry, personal indemnity insurance is separate to all the insurances that I have here in the clinic as well. Mm. So we've got to have glass insurance, practice management insurance, cyber insurances mm. and uh, electrical stuff. There's so much to consider, but um, just finding a, like an insurance company that is able to cover those mm. things and, um, and, and sort of work with what mm. you need that really helps. I think a lot of people um, don't understand how many overheads that come with owning a like medical particularly what we're talking about a dental clinic they don't understand mm-hmm. that you know not just it's not just the materials it's the lease that allows you to practice it's everything you know all the cancels and the insurances that you got to have and there's not just one insurance there's five of them that's right <laughs> Yeah, that's right. There's so many. And there's so much more to the fed out than just simply putting a dental chair into a clinic mm. as well. And that's what we found along the journey is that working alongside uh, like the plumber and the electrician and the equipment installers, there's specific requirements for a medical or a dental fit out that you need to adhere to for it to be a safe zone for people mm-hmm. to come in, which, you know, anything that is specialised like that obviously comes with mm. cost. So those, you know, starting out a, um, a, a dental clinic is, a, is a quite an expensive thing to do. But if you're able to definitely, you know, talk to people around you, if anyone's considering doing it, have a chat to those that you know. Anyone's probably going to know something that would definitely help you along the, along the way, whether or not they can give you direct advice or guide you towards someone that might be able to help you. So once the development approval got approved by the council it was straight in there like fit out done within three months which That's is quick it's actually quite a oh, long it? time well <laughs> it was quick for me but <laughs> normally like a shop fit out would take you know a week two weeks mm. max but because of the sheer cost of it we just had to take a different a different route and it just took a little bit of time but I'm so glad that we've done everything that we have done because it is it is a perfect mm-hmm. space for what I'm trying to to achieve and give our patients that's so, fantastic Amy yeah I'm really happy with all of that and I, I hope um, you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable but just a ballpark if someone was really considering hey how much do I need to invest in opening up a two chair studio what what's the ballpark figure um the ballpark figure look it's really if you if you're looking at two chair place you're looking at a couple Mm -hmm. hundred thousand Mm -hmm. minimum and then you've got to also ensure that you've got the money to keep that running so that's just to fit out the place that's not you know your everyday costs of paying back the you know fees of the loans of equipment or your electricity Mm -hmm. water you know phone system internet soft dental software that you use all the products and all that that doesn't include that so it's it is a really expensive journey and ideally like I think for um, a profit standard point of view if you were able to buy into a clinic or buy a freestanding clinic already that would definitely be a lot easier for you 
um, banks do find it difficult or they don't really like giving out business loans with um, a startup that has such a high risk where you don't actually have a patient, patient base mm. to start with. There was no guarantee that I would have any patients coming in, you know, to help help pay all the bills that I had. There's no guarantee of that. Um, so it was a big risk for the bank to help me out with that. But again, planning, 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 like the fact that I did this business plan and I put my heart and soul into it for mm. months, I think that really helped get me out on the other end in a positive, positive mm. way. I'm just going to interrupt this episode really quickly to say thank you to High Smile for sponsoring this episode because you guys may have seen me testing some of High Smile's at-home oral care or as they call it their smile care range over the last few months and I think it's so important as dental professionals to always be on the lookout for new products that will benefit our patients and I've always been super intrigued by the pivot that High Smile have made over the years since the inception of their brand from from purely consumer-based products to their investment into research and development. And as you may have seen, they've also introduced new products into the oral care space that are truly innovative. And most recently, they've also launched into the dental professional space. And guys, they are working really hard on some really exciting products that are yet to be launched with Professor Laurie Walsh as a clinical advisor. He's helping them shape the next product iterations. And if you guys haven't heard of Prof Laurie Walsh, you have been living under a rock in the Australian dental world because he's a legend in our profession and he's especially known for his expertise in the category of teeth whitening. And as the newest member of Team High Smile, I'm really excited to be lifting the hood on their new and improved whitening range, as well as some of their recent focuses in the in-clinic space, including Enamel Pro that contains nanohydroxyapatite, which you guys know I love, as well as including hyaluronic acid in oral care, which I think is incredible because I use hyaluronic serum on my face every day so it really makes sense to me after everything we know about hyaluronic and its benefits that it's now being included in oral care so thank you to high smile for helping me spread the word on my podcast about some really cool future new products and i'm really excited to take you guys on this new journey with me so does the bank ask to see yeah. a business plan is that part of the process yeah they do yeah not only the business plan so also all your financials from an accountant so you'd see a chartered mm. accountant that would do all your financials your personal financial stuff and the forecast for the business and the budget for the business mm. as well so again that's another expense that will cost thousands for you to go and get this stuff done and that's all before you even try and get mm. a loan submission so having that all prepared if you can get that all done in advance and sort of take your time with that mm -hmm. and get it right, that will give you the best chance at, at um, securing a, a, mm -hmm. a business loan with the bank. But again, it's risky. You know, it's risky. That there was no, there was absolutely no guarantee that the forecast that my accountant and I put out would actually be profitable and, and would reach those targets. So and. Unfortunately, we haven't reached those targets um, and I'm sure many businesses or many new startups out there haven't actually reached those forecast, mm. forecast targets when they start up. But, you know, that's not to say it doesn't mm. work. You just got to keep moving forward. You just got to keep working at it and changing mm -hmm. and growing and 
you know it's it's a journey in itself it's not a destination I love that I love that mindset you've got as well Amy that's that's the mindset that's going to help you succeed and to attract those patients and to keep those patients long term so you've got the right mindset so that's really really important I wanted to ask do you have a relationship with the dentist do you have a specific dentist that you refer to or how do you work that out for patients or do you just ask them where do you live go find someone near you or (laughs) yeah no absolutely um so one of the rooms that I have I actually lease out to an orthodontist um so we have a really great working relationship but essentially everyone that comes in here if they don't already have a general dentist that they see for routine checkups what I do is I work with them we'll find a dentist that actually suits Mm. their needs and their clinical needs as well I really didn't want to put everyone all into the same basket because I feel like everyone's dental needs are Mm -hmm. so different you know some people like just get in there get out no chit chat some people do like to have all the comforts that can come along with a dental treatment like Netflix and soft Mm -hmm. music and nice and quiet and tranquil so it's yeah I really just like to work with everyone and see what they're feeling what their needs are and then refer on as required but everyone that does come in they definitely get referred to a dentist for routine checks and then that dentist refers back for their hygiene services and how do you market for new patients is it mainly word of mouth is it instagram do you post in your local paper where do most of your patients come from Definitely word of mouth, like 85% of my patients are word of mouth, which is absolutely it wonderful. Is. And exactly, yes, exactly what I was, I was aiming for. Word of mouth is the best type of marketing. Um, and I guess once you get that patient come in, it is a slow, uh, slow progression. But once patients come in and they spread the word, you know, it's just, it just keeps growing and growing like that. So. I'm really lucky that word of mouth is um, is really effective for me. But marketing in, in its own has been a little bit of a stumbling block for us. So I guess a lot of money gets put into marketing in a lot of uh, you know industries. Mm. It's a big industry, but you got to know where to put that money. You know what's going to be effective, what's going to bring you returns, mm. and. Um, start like when I first started up there was I had absolutely no idea but I would be putting money into into certain marketing um, programs and it just it wasn't giving me the return that I required Mm -hmm. so I really sort of went away from that area and started working on the social media presence essentially I just wanted to make it relatable for people so they could actually you know feel the brand feel the vibe um, and already know and know what they will be walking into when they come into the clinic they can see that just from being like looking on your phone or the computer but as Brittany touched on Brittany from Brush Mm -hmm. with Brit touched on not long ago with you we as healthcare professionals we're, we're looked upon, you know, to be speaking the truth and um, to gin, give honest information to people. Um, and this is a really, really important topic because specifically you know, whitening businesses out there that are not dental hygiene owned or affiliated with a dental clinician, they are not, um, they don't need to abide by the same regulations as a healthcare cl- practitioner right. does here in Australia. So there's lots of yeah there's lots of sort of red tape around what we can and can't say or do or show on social media which is absolutely fantastic because it gives you know it it gives trust 
to people that we actually are spreading uh, information that is accurate however I do feel like um, I don't know about you Emma but like in the industry I do feel like as a whole I feel like we do need some more support in terms of awareness for the community of what to look for because time and time again I see these whitening clinics that open up Mm -hmm. that you know technicians that have no dental knowledge Mm -hmm. or no dental experience or qualifications Mm -hmm. and they're using unregulated products photoshopping images Mm -hmm. and that's you know that's what the consumer sees and they get hooked in on those marketing um, those marketing practices Mm -hmm. the patient loses out Mm -hmm. you know exactly and that's a really important that word you said earlier it's unregulated so Mm-hmm. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical and these people don't necessarily or they don't really have your best interests at heart in terms of your dental health. They're there to provide a cosmetic treatment, not a dental treatment and mm-hmm. you know they're not going to be held accountable if your gums get burnt or you've got a really big cavity and you get extreme sensitivity from it and end up at the dentist and it's us dental professionals at the end of the day who have to deal with the consequences and there are a lot of other things that we've seen in clinic that I won't go on about because we all have experienced it (laughs) in the past but that that was the key word there it's unregulated that's one of the biggest you know driving forces for me starting my online presence was saying hey look out for these and every time I upload a reel or something about it or a TikTok people still comment on it and people still out there don't understand that what's coming up on the Instagram feed isn't real and people DM me and say can you actually show me what's something real and real before and afters that you know that I can look out for if I ever want to go down that road of of teeth whitening so I think now that us being independent um, practitioners really allows us to enter that market and teach people and educate the public about the differences between the unregulated market and what in the you know the oaths that we have to take and and the rules that we need to abide by as dental professionals in providing this treatment and it is a dental treatment it's not just cosmetic absolutely yeah 100% agree it does get on my nerves a little bit when I read websites that say that um, teeth whitening is not a dental procedure it's a cosmetic procedure 100% dental procedure do not get it if you have not seeked advice from a dental clinician Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story which I heard recently from someone. It's going to break your heart. Mm. There is someone that I've heard of that has actually been using 37% phosphoric acid etch on their teeth to whiten them. Um, And for all of you out there that don't know what that is, it is an acid that actually starts to destroy the organic structure within your teeth. So it's, it's um, it's a product that's used during a bonding procedure for a filling. It definitely makes your teeth go white, but it's not whitening the tooth. It's actually destroying the structure there. It's a very dangerous ingredient to use and mm-hmm. uh, irreversible as well and causes incredible damage and sensitivity. And when I heard that, I was just absolutely gobsmacked. I it's just couldn't horrendous. believe that there's, there's people out there that are, you know, walking around with and not understanding 
the severity and the consequences for you know treatment like this mm. it's um it's incredibly heartbreaking and I think like looking back on the people that are providing this sort of treatment they aren't registered they're not held accountable for um for a treatment for adverse reactions or any kind of treatment that they do because they're not a registered practitioner mm. so there's so much more to it than and than just the words whitening teeth. There's so much more to all the ingredients that are used to the the actual procedure itself and the clinical knowledge that the clinician has. Absolutely. Yeah, it honestly still baffles me that it's like that way in Australia, but it's a huge market, right? The teeth whitening market is makes billions mm-hmm. of dollars and there's still a lot of work to be done, but in some places like the United Kingdom, it's illegal for someone who's not a dental professional to provide teeth whitening. I just want everyone listening to let that sink in. It is illegal in the UK. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot of work to do, but one one reel at a time, one patient at a time, Amy, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right, that's right. And I guess, yeah, just spreading awareness and and it's all about um, transparency and honesty and um, continuous education to the community as well and to your patients to let them know that there's, there's a reason people study for this. It's because it, it matters and your health and your body matters. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a very sensitive topic. I could go on for hours. Yeah, me too. Don't one. worry. Don't worry. But it's important to touch base on it and bring it to the surface mm-hmm. again and remind people and any one of the general public listening a big PSA and going back to your clinic another Mm. (laughs) maybe controversial question have you had any negative experiences from other dental practices or dentists in the area you know this new up-and-coming dental hygiene studio pushing the boundaries providing an alternative form of care for people have you received anything negative yeah look i have had a couple of isolated incidents which i won't focus too much because on the Mm. whole the there's been so many dentists um, and practitioners that have been so welcoming uh, providing advice and so supportive of what i'm doing and can see the the greater good in it so um i am really you know that really does warn me that people are, are noticing that but there have been a couple of incidences that I wouldn't say it's tarnished the business, but it's definitely a hurtful um, mm. thing personally because I, I'm very aware of trying to make sure that we look after the patient together yes. as a whole. You know, that patient receives the mm. right care wherever it may be. But yeah, there was a, an incident recently where uh, one of the patients that I had referred out to for a regular uh, checkup and x-rays and treatment as required with the dentist that they dentist uh, told them that they would continue on their hygiene care and do no longer see me because it wasn't required wow. so that was disheartening um, but at the end of the day you know it's the patient's choice on what they want to do and I think we have a responsibility as healthcare workers to look after that patient and guide them to their best option and if that happens to be you know they stay with that dentist or the specialist or whoever mm-hmm. it may be and then that's the option that we'd go with and we'd make that decision mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you work every day? And, you know, I have everyone. Ah, uh, no. So, no, I work, um, well, my clinic's open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then also Sundays by appointment. So I don't go in on Sunday unless someone books in. 
Um, but I do work Tuesdays for someone else just to help with the cash flow of the mm-hmm. business as well and also my personal expenses mm-hmm. and whatnot. Working in my clinic, it's just me here. There's no, I don't have receptionists, I don't have any assistants around. There's no one to chit chat to besides the patients. So I really do, uh, I really do miss that, you know, that feeling of being within a team and, and talking. And that's why I really love working, working mm-hmm. on uh, Tuesday for someone else because it gives me that opportunity to still feel like I'm more than just a, a clinician It'd be nice as well. to have that so, mix. and yeah. a lot of dentists do but, the same as well when they envision yeah. working for themselves and having their own clinic uh, between two practices when they first start out they will do a couple of days in their own practice while still doing one or two days elsewhere so be great to have that variety while you're still in your infancy and as your practice grows you'll hopefully be able to transition on to your own practice if you wanted full-time yeah absolutely and um, I think the beauty with like how I've designed the clinic was really just for me I knew that I wouldn't be able to afford staff Mm -hmm. for quite a period of time so I've really designed the layout and all the online stuff um, online booking system the phone system everything's designed so Mm -hmm. I can work independently as as little uh, little of a detail that is it's actually been an absolute lifesaver that I'm still able to practice by myself in this clinic that you know if someone comes in I can still see them at the same time like if you have a look on the any of the photos online you'll be able to see some of that layout there that really highlights Mm. how I would work by myself but one day one day I'd love to have some I'm staff, sure you will I'll be show really you great. get to that point but where where is your studio to be exact in Adelaide so it's along uh it's along the parade in Norwood so Norwood's a little mm. uh suburb east of the city and it's located within like a little mm. courtyard area so it's a beautiful little courtyard area under shade lots of car park nice airy bright a really really cute little place and i've got a couple of little shops around as well so nice and Fantastic. central for sounds people nice. to and parking is a big one as well because a lot of people want ease of access when they go to their dental practice they don't want to have to think about how difficult parking may or may not be yeah absolutely and i don't know about you emma but um, i have worked in places mm-hmm. that don't have car parking and the patients, you know, they do get upset with that. They're flustered when they come in because they've been driving around trying Absolutely. to find a car park. If anyone wants to contact you, have a look at your studio, or if they want to ask you any questions, how can they contact you? My handles for uh, Facebook and Insta and TikTok, they're all sayr.dentalstudios. Um, so definitely jump on, jump on and have a look at that. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time and I'm sure people who are listening to this are inspired by you and probably have a better place at thinking of wanting to start a clinic than you did. You've given everyone a big leg up if they're in that same boat as you were. If anyone's got any questions about opening a clinic or you know starting up, I may not know everything but um, I can definitely help steer you away from things that might cost you too much money or um, other options that you could you know go with so definitely get in touch I'd be more than happy to help thank you you so much Amy have a good day wonderful bye thanks Emma you too bye
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Talk Dental To Me podcast. If you liked listening to this episode, I would so love if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and to also leave a review so this podcast gets out to lots more people. And don't forget to give some love to Amy. You'll find her at at sayr.dentalstudios. That's S-A-Y dot A-H-H Dental Studios. And if you want to hear anyone specific on the podcast, let me know at at Emma Talks Thanks again and until next time, take care. Bye.